are beginning this brand new sermon series this morning, Be the Church. And as we do, uh, I, like I told you, I want to I define for you what the church is. And in doing that, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever heard this statement that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts? The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. What, what that statement is trying to convey is that somehow gathered together as an organization, as a team, as a community, as a family, that, that together we're better than, than we could ever be if each and every one of us work individually separated from one another. And, and I want to I prove to you that in many cases, that statement is absolutely true. And I'm going to use the band this morning uh, to prove that statement. Uh, they're going to play a song. Tell me if you recognize this song. Anybody recognize that song? Steve Perry, Faithfully from Journey, right? How about this song? You recognize this song? Same singer, same songwriter, same band, Journey. Uh, that song is Faithfully. One more song. believing Steve Perry journey, right? Now, how many of you wanted just a concert, no more sermon, right? Now, <laughs> I thought this was a great idea on Wednesday as they're playing music and all over like, I'm like, this is a bad idea. Right? So, so all three of these songs were written and produced and sung by the same singer-songwriter, Steve Perry. Steve Perry was a member of, of the supergroup Journey from uh, 1977 to 1987. And, and Journey, during those 10 years, was a phenomenally popular, successful band. In, in fact, in those 10 years, they had 25 songs that appeared at one time or another on the Hot 100 Billboard list. 25 songs in 10 years that were one of the top 100 songs on the Billboard Top 100 song list. In, in 1987, Steve Perry left Journey, started a solo career, right? Remember, he's the one who sang all those songs that you recognize. He's the one who wrote all of those songs that you recognize. He is still writing and recording uh, songs as a solo artist to this day. So, so he's been performing as a solo artist for almost 25 years, 24 years as a solo artist. In 10 years, he wrote and sang uh, 25 popular songs in the last 24 years as, a, as an independent artist, he's had four hot 100 songs. And I'm not sure if the band stayed and played any of those that you would recognize a single one of them. Why is that? It, it, it's the same great voice. It's the same incredible songwriter because the, the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. 
As great and talented as Steve Perry is, somehow, some way, for some reason, when he was with the rest of the band journey, he was better than he could ever be all by himself. And yet, we love to think of ourselves as individuals. We love to think of ourselves, you know, kind of like the Lone Ranger going alone, the Marlboro Man. I don't need anybody around me. And yet, the opposite is true. God has not created us to do this thing called life by ourselves. He's called us to do it together. And I want to suggest to you that, that not only are music groups sometimes better together than they are independently, but I want to suggest to you that the church is better together. The church, the, the organization, the group called the church is greater than the sum of its individual parts. Our, our Savior Lutheran Church, this local congregation, is a better place today because of the new members who just joined our Savior Lutheran Church and all the gifts and all the talents and all the passions and all the abilities that they bring to this place. The, 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 the unit, the, the whole, is greater than the sum of its parts. So, so as we get started, how, how do you define the church. Well, I think in the culture that we live in uh, today, if we went over to the mall and we just asked people, you know, how would you define the church? They would define it by a building, right? They, they would say, well, it's that building that's on the corner of here, that building that's over there. It's that organization, that building over there, right? Here's the thing I want you to know, folks. Nowhere in the New Testament is the church ever understood as a building, not one single time does the New Testament think of the church as a structure, as a facility, as a place to gather for public Christian worship. That is not at all how Jesus and the early Christian church understood the church. So, so how, how do we define the church? Well, the church is simply everyone who believes in Jesus, everyone who confesses faith in Jesus. And Jesus has established the church, I would suggest, for three purposes. Number one, uh, for fellowship, to, to encourage one another as we're on this journey called a life of faith. And we need one another because as we're on this journey of faith, uh, there, there's sometimes when life gets so hard, I don't want to keep going on the journey. I just want to sit down. <laughs> There's sometimes when I, I kind of lose my way and I'm just kind of wandering around. And sometimes when I get turned around, I'm walking the wrong way. And I need my brothers and sisters. I need, I need the church to help me keep moving in the right direction. And you need the church to help you keep moving in the right direction. The, the, the church also gathers together around God's word. The, the church also serves its neighbor as we have been served by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said uh, that he has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I want to suggest to you this morning that the church can do all three of those things in a much more powerful, much more effective, uh, much more uh, winsome way when we're working together. And yet we still love to divide ourselves and define ourselves by how we're not like those people or those people or that part of the church. Right? So, so uh, in, instead of saying the church, capital T, capital C, every believer in Jesus Christ, we, we like to divide ourselves by denominations. Well, I'm part of the Lutheran church or the Methodist church or the Presbyterian church or the Catholic church or the Pentecostal church, or I'm part of the non-denominational denomination church. And, 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 and still, that doesn't seem to, to help 
uh, you know, set us off by ourselves quite enough. And so I'm not just a Lutheran, but I'm a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod member. I mean, I'm not an ELCA guy or one of those Wisconsin Synod guys or one of those new upstart LCMC churches, right? We're Missouri Synod Lutheran churches. And, and still, that's, that might not be enough for some of us, right? We're, we're not just uh, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod members. We're Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Lutherans of our Savior Lutheran Church, right? Don't think that I'm a member of Christ Lutheran or Grace Lutheran or Mount Olive or St. John's or Saint, or, or any one of uh, hundreds of other Lutheran churches, Missouri Synod churches are neighbor, right? And, and, and maybe that's not enough, right? Well, I'm a member of our Savior Lutheran Church nine o'clock service. And I'm a member of our Savior Lutheran Church online group. I don't hang out with those 1030 people. Folks, can I suggest to you that, that when, when we subdivide ourselves, when we subdivide the church into small little organizations, small C churches, Satan's winning the day. When, when we begin to think that somehow uh, somebody who comes to a different time slot or a different style or, or gathers in a different building or is a member of a different denomination or worships in another state is, is somehow uh, our competition, then, then we're divided against ourselves. And Jesus, self, Jesus Christ himself said, uh, a house divided cannot stand, it will fall. The church is the body of Christ. It is the people of Jesus who believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. In fact, that's exactly how Jesus defined the church. In, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Jesus had sent the disciples out. And, and they returned uh, from, from their kind of their first ministry journey. And, and, and they come back and they're all excited. And Jesus says, so what did you find out? Who, who, who do people say that I am? And the disciples had heard all kinds of answers as they were out doing ministry. They, they said, you know what, Jesus? Some people think you're John the Baptist. And, and folks, that would be a miracle if Jesus was John the Baptist. But because by this time, John the Baptist had been beheaded. And so if Jesus really was John the Baptist, he, he was a resurrected John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. That, that'd be another miracle because uh, Elijah w was taken away by God in a flaming chariot to heaven. That means that, that Elijah has returned from heaven to earth. Some say you're Jeremiah. Again, uh, a long dead prophet, a miracle if he is, or one of the others. And, and of course, as, as amazing as any of these answers would be, the people knew that Jesus was something special, something amazing, something out of the ordinary. As amazing as all those answers were, they're all wrong. But Jesus doesn't correct any of them. Instead, he asks a second question. He asks the disciples, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of... Jonah, for this was not received to you, it was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. And in that moment, Jesus says, here's how you identify the church. 
Anybody who has the same confession of Peter. If your confession is Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, then you are a member of the body of Christ, the church, capital C made up of millions and billions of people around the planet, made up of people who've lived thousands of years ago, made up of people who will live up to the last moment before Jesus comes back. You are a member of the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of God. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you, you, this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood. Peter, you're not somehow smarter than anybody else, and somehow you, you came to your own conclusion. Aha, I know who Jesus is. No, Jesus says, this was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Peter, you were made that way. You, you were made to understand who I am. And, and, and the truth, the same is true of us, right? Uh, all of us know people who've given up on the church or aren't part of the church, who have denied the truth of the church. It's not that somehow we're smarter or wiser or better than them. Right? They, they, they uh, just have, have walked away. They've walked away from the truth. And it's our job, it's our blessing to be able to share with them uh, the truth of the Scripture, that Jesus has done everything he can possibly do to make us a member of the church that we might live for all eternity. Uh, in First Peter chapter 1, we read these words. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you redeemed from your empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but it was with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, right? So it's through Jesus. Peter, it's because of Jesus. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's because of Jesus. It's through him that we believe in God, who has raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope on God. One of the understandings of, of the church in the New Testament is that we're purchased people. We're not our own. We've been redeemed like you would redeem a coupon. Jesus has redeemed us. He has purchased us back. He has paid the tab for our sin. His life for Pastor Lee's life. His life for your life. His life for the church, the body of Christ. One of the other ways uh, the New Testament understands uh, the church is not just as redeemed people, but people who are called out. And, and, and Paul alludes to that in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul writes these words, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity through the spirit of the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, right? So, so, so Jesus says, Paul says that we've been called, 4-1. As a prisoner of Christ, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Folks, Jesus has put a calling on the church. The church has a purpose. The, the, the church has a role to play in this world. And that's been placed on us as individuals. That's been placed on the whole unit called the church. Every man, woman, and child uh, who is a believer in Jesus has the same calling to serve God with all that we say 
and with all that we do. And then in the middle of that, in Ephesians 4, 4, it says, for there's only one body. How many churches are there? One church. There's one body. Just as you were called by one spirit to one hope, right? We all have the same hope to live eternity with God in heaven. When you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, we were called not to subdivide ourselves, not, not to say, I'm not like them, and I'm not like them, and I would never be a part of that, and I don't like that kind of music, and you know what they do over there? No, we were called by one Lord to one hope for one purpose. We're going to unpack what that means in the week that are to come in this sermon series, but I alluded to it already earlier in this sermon, right? The, the purpose that, that God has called us together is for fellowship, to encourage our brothers and sisters who find themselves on this journey of faith, some traveling the wrong way. The church is called to gather together around the word of God, and the church is called to serve our world as we have been served by Christ Jesus himself. And we do those things because we are the redeemed children of God who've been called by him. We are the church. Amen? Amen. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, guard your hearts and minds in true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Would you join me for a word for our Heavenly Father? We thank you that you have purchased us, that you have redeemed us. Lord, we understand that you've placed a calling on our lives. You've placed a calling on the church. And divided we will fall, but united, the gates of hell cannot overcome your church. We pray that your Holy Spirit would embolden us and enliven us and empower us to live a life worthy of the calling that you have called us to, that many might come to know you as Lord and Savior of their lives. We ask this for the sake of Jesus, the head of the church. In his name we pray, amen. Let's go ahead. And-